out of the way for the gold. Move out of the way for the gold. Oh, big knee! The greatest of all time. Here we go, the epic trilogy fight. For the first time ever, Demetrius Johnson defends the One Flyweight World Championship in the USA. Greatest of all time, I'm an animal. No walk or bite, that's why they call me gold. One Fight Night 10, Johnson versus Marias 3 on Prime Video. And now, Brandon Six Boy Shaw. Uh, let's get some fights, though, man. Because right. this weekend, uh, you got four of the best, I mean, probably four of the best, the very best 135ers competing. You have one championship with Mighty Mouse and Marias in the rubber match, and then you got Aljo and Henry Cejudo. Uh, I mean, you're hardcore, so you're going to watch both. Is, is there one you're more excited for? Uh, I have to, yeah, they're both pretty great, honestly. Um, you know, I think for work, I have to devote more attention to the UFC side, but the, but the one championship product, I got to say, like, I, I think that one is the only at this, at this stage right now, and this could change tomorrow. But as we're speaking at this moment, I'm, I firmly believe that one is the only true alternative for MMA fans to the UFC. Like, There's obviously good fighters and good fights at Bellator. There's good fighters and good fights at PFL. But one is a very different product. They're in Colorado. For folks who don't know, this is a big, a big deal. The UFC has pledged to not go back to Colorado because their commission decided to accept a different rule set the one that one uses which has a lot of differences like knees to the head of a ground opponent judging a fight as a whole you name it um and i actually really like the way that they do judging i like their open rule set so you know the commission in colorado took a bit of a gamble with with doing this and i think mma fans should be you know supportive of any kind of promoter in that particular sense trying to do something different in that regard but to with respect to the point of the fight itself um I think for me, if we look at the second fight, we're asking what might be different in the third one, man, I'll tell you what, and it's something you're very familiar with, Brendan, elevation. The elevation in Denver is a motherfucker because in the second fight between DJ and Marias, you know, DJ spent the, the, uh, in the words of Rich Franklin, he spent the bulk of the first two rounds on his back. That absolutely happened. But then he began to fade a little bit in the third, and then he obviously got stopped in the fourth. DJ really put it on him. Man, if you're not used to that altitude, and we'll see if DJ is, I think he probably will find a way to make it work. But if you're not used to it, it will cut you in half. And I have a feeling it's going to play a major role in that outcome. Agreeing to that point, that's the reason why the UFC will never have a heavyweight fight in Colorado anymore, let alone, you know, their issues with the commission. But even when they were going to Colorado, if you remember back in the day, you had Mark Hunt, Ben Rothwell. Merrill, bad I was backstage when they, they walked past me for that fight. Exhausted. Yeah. So UFC's like, no more heavyweights. Well, how dare you? I thrived in that air. But um <laughs> uh but yeah, so I we had DJ on the show. He came to Colorado, he's been there for over two weeks to get acclimated, and then he met with a uh, professional cyclist, seeing when's the best time to do it, because obviously they have to compete in those high elevations. So he's really focused on that. He's been there over two weeks training, getting ready for this. Now, Marias, yeah, I, don't I, don't, I, I don't know. I haven't heard. Yeah, and like all the places I was looking at where he fought. He fought in Las Vegas, which has a little bit of elevation, but not much. And then him and Marias have mostly mostly fought in like Singapore, which is basically sea level, or you know what uh, places in the Philippines, which are basically sea level. So this is going to be a dramatic one. If he was fading in that fight, 
trying to hold on to DJ, but he also rocked him a little bit too with like a head kick. In the That's why I like round. this fight because like, it's not like it's tough. It's tough to call because they they've both like neither one like dominate the other. Like it could both fights go either way. So this third fight, it's not like ah, DJ's just gonna mop the floor with him. Like no, not really. Yeah, if you again, if you only watch the first two rounds of the second fight, you'd be like, DJ's in trouble. It, it, it's, he begins to turn it a little bit thereafter. So, you know, if he's in great cardiovascular conditioning, or he has it rather, and Marias doesn't, that will be, I mean, anybody who's ever been to Denver or you know, knows about the elevation, that will be the, the determining factor. But if both guys are up for it, and again, I don't know what Marias has or hasn't done, um, either way, they're just a great match. It's a great rivalry. And you know, I had this stat that it only applies to UFC fighters, but I'll share it with you. You may have seen it, and it goes like this. Between 125 and 170 as weight classes, if you look at uh, UFC fighters over the age of 35, what's their record in those weight classes and title fights? It's 2 and 28, and those two belong to Tyron Woodley. And in oh, one wow. of those Tyron Woodley fights, he was fighting a 39-year-old. Right. So age is profoundly unkind to the lighter weight classes. You might be asking, well, what is it between 185 and up? It's 50 50. So you go from two and two and 28 to 50 50, basically. Um, it's a dramatic drop down. Now, here's the funny part about it. I don't know how folks view Demetrius Johnson because, to your point, he's a flyweight fighter, but this is at 135 because of the way one does their weight classes. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, no bantamweight at 36 years of age has ever won a UFC title fight. Number one, Henry Cejudo's 36 years of age. We'll see what he does on Saturday. Also, when DJ beat Marais in their second fight, he was already 36 by that time. Do you count that as part of it? No, because it's the UFC stat, but you yeah. know, that's of that grade, that caliber. So the really good ones can buck the trend, but again, Who's getting older? Marais is pretty old too, but I think DJ is the slightly older of the two. I'll double check that. Yeah, I'm not sure how old Marais is, but with and I did bring that stat up to DJ, and DJ was laughing at it. You know, he's like, "Yeah, but I." But he did to the point. He's like, "Remember, I was 36 when I won this the second fight." Yes. He's like, "But it's not in the UFC, so that that's not included in those stats." The the other, um, Marais is 35. Yeah, so Marais is 35. 35. So he's right at it too. He's right there too. And those outliers, and that's my same thing, not to just jump across the UFC, but that's my same thing with the Henry Pseudo Aljo fight. When I see that stat, you know, I, before that stat, I was like, ah, Cejudo's such a beast, man. You don't want to bet against Cejudo. Then you see that stat, I'm like, yeesh. It's not, it's not great looking for Cejudo there, especially three year layoff. He's older. Aljo's in his prime. Aljo's 33. I mean, he's smacking in the middle of it, and um, he's taller. He, he's rangier. He fights tall. He fights rangy. He's been active. He has, he's been active. I would argue that he's got the best back control, certainly in that division, arguably in the UFC, maybe even in MMA. DJ in made that how point. how he weaponizes it. Yeah, because, you know, DJ and Cejudo, they, they've done a podcast together. They train together. And I, I asked him, who, obviously, he's taking Cejudo. He goes, but the, the issue is, and he goes, I said this to Henry, you cannot let Al Jermaine get on your back. He's special there. He said, you cannot let yeah. him take your back. He goes, what's scary about Al Jermaine now, he goes, I don't know when people are give him his respect, but he's found his lane. Before he was fighting, even in those Peter Yan fights, you know, we, he didn't really know. He was really good because he got there. He goes, now he knows. Now he knows if he gets your back, that's where, he, that's where he's special. And once a fighter knows that, it's trouble. He's like, so for I really feel go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Brendan. I apologize, but like I really agree with that. I really Me feel too. like 
there was a while there where you kind of could tell Sterling was going to be something. Then he hit a couple of roadblocks, got that bad knockout loss, for example, to Marlon Marish, and you know some stuff went sideways. But um, I feel like his game has not only has he found his own identity, but he simplified it in a, in, a, in like a not like in making it dumber, but in elevating it. Like what I mean is. Dude, he just knows like he, him, Charles Oliveira, these guys, like if you look at, for example, if you look at the takedown, successful takedown rate for Aljamain Sterling, it's very low. It's in like yes. the 40 percentage or something yeah. or even 20 percentage. Sorry, his uh, effective takedown rate is like somewhere 24 percent. So I mean, it's low, super low for a wrestler. But, that's really low. That's his back. Extremely low. Yeah. But you might be asking, well, how can it be so low? And how's this guy the champion? The reason why is because. Sterling and some other guys, he's not alone in this regard, but there's a few guys right now who have, uh, and you're seeing it more and more, but who have, to this point, done a really good job of not looking for takedowns, shooting takedowns, looking for back exposure. Yes, sir. That's it. They're just trying to get behind your elbows and get your hands to the mat. That is it. That's all they're trying to do. And then once they create back exposure, it's a, it's fucking curtains for you, bro. It's yep. curtains for you. And you and I both have a said. very high opinion. Yeah, well, you, I was going to say, you and I both have a very high opinion of Corey Sandhagen, but he ran into a buzzsaw that night from the back, and I understand that. Big time, big time. Yeah, I love Corey. He, you know, love, absolutely adore Corey. But yeah, with, when DJ brought that up, I'm like, yeah, that's his special sauce. And he's like, and he knows that. And he's champion. He's like, it's trouble, man. He's like, that's why I told Henry, he's going to shoot, you know, and he, he has to be very careful because it's not even about the shot. It's about the transition. And Cejudo knows that he doesn't, he doesn't need to get fully in on that single leg or double leg. He just has to transition to your back. And once he gets there, he goes, he, he's a, he, we've been studying the tape. Like he's the best I've ever seen do it. Once he gets your back, the way he can maneuver and capitalize on that, he's like, it's trouble, man. Yeah. I mean, go? His, Definitely his wrist, betting on Aljo. Thank you, DJ. Yeah. His, his wrist capture. I mean, his ability to control different, whether he needs hooks or whether he needs the body triangle and then, you know, how to use, I mean, he can just do all different kinds of stuff from pinning to ground and pound to whatever else he needs to do. Uh, but the other point I want to make though, is, you know, when I say a stat like that, people automatically think that I'm telling you that Henry Cejudo can't win. That's no. really not what I'm saying. Mm -mm. Like if there's anybody who has shown a competitive capacity to, to raise his game to the moment, to the stakes. And, you know, he was not expected to win the 2008 you know, Olympics, uh, even yep. medal, I don't think. And he, went, yep. he won the whole thing because he had the fucking tournament of his life in 2008. And when he came back against Marais, uh, the same thing to win the bantamweight gold. What I'm pointing out to you is, listen, age at 135 pounds is deeply unforgiving. And I do, do think because of that and the inactivity, he's got an uphill climb. On the other hand, it is, it is worth putting some respect on Henry Cejudo's name and saying, if there is one guy who could buck a trend and with a he's small the sample size, there will be exceptions. He's that guy. Yeah. That, and just to piggyback on that again, the signs would point to Aljo, even though he's a slight dog here, the points with the, the, all indications would say Aljo could, could probably get it done. So I've seen that stat, but you're dealing with a guy in Henry Cejudo and uh, DJ alluded to this as well. I said, I would never bet against Henry Cejudo because of here. I think as far as mental, mental game goes, there's a few outliers. He's one of the all-time outliers. It's him, DC, John Jones, DJ's up there. And I've never seen anybody like Henry Cejudo who has th that mental fortitude, but also the changes he can make. 
where if his original game plan isn't going well, you see between rounds, he can make adjustments and figure out at a very high level to beat world-class guys. So although that stat looks horrible for Henry Cejudo, Cejudo, he's, he's an outlier. It doesn't. I, I don't agree with that stat when it comes to Henry Cejudo. If there's anybody who's going to buck the trend, like you said, it's Henry Cejudo. With that, yeah. with his mental state, it's second to none, man. Second. I mean, you're talking about if you want to argue, possibly the greatest combat sports athlete of all time with a gold medal in the Olympics, two-time divisional champion in the UFC, comes back wins this. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, because you could say, well, he got out of the division before it really matured and i would argue that he did he you know for whatever whatever his reasons were you know uh he decided to call quits and then the division really kind of grew up in those three years so he's coming back right into the mouth of the lion i mean absolutely at a time when i mean is anyone going to argue bantamweight isn't popping right now oh it's like fantastic. yeah it's, it's amazing to the point you raise like even in over at one one's main event is bantamweight and it's fucking Great. sick you know what i mean like Great. that there's just so much talent there um but i also just think it's also worth saying in addition to all the great things we're saying about henry cejudo i have a sneaking suspicion that um even if he wins they might deny it to him sterling and his championship rung has been met with some questions like dillashaw's arm falling out of his socket didn't really tell you anything about how that fight was going to go because he was so injured like you got nothing out of it such a bummer. and then and then the first yawn fight you know that wasn't going his way before it all came to a conclusion but of course he he looked really good in the second fight i just mean to say that there are certain people that aren't sold on aljamain sterling and i don't know if a win on saturday fully converts everybody that's where i was going has with a it. nice win say again that that's why i was gonna I hate to interrupt you brother sorry man the all i was gonna it's say okay. is even if aljo beats cejudo the lack of respect that aljo gets so if he beats Cejudo, the narrative, I guarantee he's going to be, ah, Cejudo's older, man. Look at the stat. He's older. He's 36, three-year layoff. What's next? It does, For Aljo, this is, don't get me wrong, he wants to win, but it's a no win for him, really, because the people have that that escape exit now. Go, nah, Cejudo's older. It's like, oh, you assholes, man. I think, I think that there's a, ch- I think that um, I agree in one sense, which is, you know, because of the age, because of the time off, people be like, ah, you got, you got whatever version of Henry Cejudo. This is an aged version of he's already on YouTube and he's already yep. doing is he's already pivoted, you know? Yep. On the other hand, I think if he goes in there and has a tough fight, but perseveres like to the point you raised about Cejudo, you go to the Marais fight, he was getting his legs chewed up in the Bad. first rounds. And then he took it away in the second round and then fucking put it on him in the third. You can see Insane. him. Insane. take pieces of the game away from him in real time if sterling can muster an effort like that to your point there's gonna be people who dismiss it but i i wonder if he might be able to get a little bit more respect if he can turn in a clear dominant forward uh like aggressive smart e- even challenging uh effort I, th- I wonder what that could do for him if it's like a back and forth you know we see him in a little bit of trouble maybe he's down two rounds comes back puts it on him gets a late finish maybe but if he goes out there and head kicks him in 15 seconds we're like that, that's gonna do nothing for aljo it's gonna be a great highlight yeah. being like oh dude you kick an old guy's head off and if he just takes his back for three or four rounds and then either submits him late nightmare, or just grinds him out. Yeah, I, yeah, that doesn't do much for him. He's got to really 
he's got to do something memorable. You know, it also gets interesting if you're the UFC because if Aljo does win, then Marab and Aljo refuse to fight each other. So then you do Sugar Sean, probably. I guess you know it gets a little tricky there. So Volkanovski, another guy's got a YouTube channel, uh, believes <laughs> that that um, the winner here, no matter what, is going to call him out, and I think. He's right. So, you know, Cejudo has been wanting the Volkanovski fight for a while. Obviously, Volkanovski's got Yair Rodriguez at UFC 290. Um, I, I don't know if he'll get it. Again, it depends on a lot of factors. Sterling, I think the cut to 135, he does it and he's, you know, dice to the socks. But I don't know how much longer he can keep that up. I think he actually, I think if he wins here, he has indicated that moving up is a real possibility for him as well. So I think you might get someone who just potentially, here's the thing. They don't want to give up the title and then just go to 140 and then not have the belt to make the yeah. most amount of money for Rev. So they want to use it to parlay a title shot. Can they get one at 145? Maybe Cejudo could. Yeah, I don't probably. know if the UFC is going to give Sterling that fight. Yeah, and, uh, Aljo's training partner, uh, Steamroller, great guy. He's fighting on the card, and he was like, yep. he was like, yeah, Aljo's going to go up. So there's a, there's a, they don't need to fight each other because I told him. I said, don't get me wrong, man. I love that you guys are brothers and you've gone through camp together and you refuse to fight each other. I said, but becoming a world champion is life-changing for your family. It's just life-changing. There's, I, you know, the only person I want to fight is my brother. Outside that, I'm fighting anybody, man, to get to that title shot, you know? So yeah. I said, I understand it, but then the day it's about providing for your family. And then uh, Mike uh, Steamroller goes, it's not all just about belts and money man sometimes it's more about like our friendships and he's like and i do think we just gotta wait it's too early like he, he goes because i think aljo he you know he's talked about it. he can go up a weight class and that leaves it open for marab so they don't need to fight man i was like fair point if that's what you guys want to do fair point because marab's a motherfucker motherfucker yeah jesus i mean a nightmare to fight a guy who it's impossible for him to be tired you it's know just terrifying nasty terrifying you know against yawn uh, what he shot how many fucking <laughs> times some shit like that nuts and like you know I, I wasn't a pro athlete like you but as heavyweights like what marab does in terms of volume is even for kane velasquez incomprehensible it's oh, an incomprehensible like it. yeah it's yeah, just, my, <laughs> my producer shocking. chin has skeptical hip eyes after that fight i'm like dude how about marab's cardio he's like pretty interesting i'm like how dare you how dare you <laughs> It's just oh, that's you, hilarious. Yeah, it's just unheard of, man. It's unheard of. Uh, but I can't wait for it. And then it, it's weird because usually the summertime's popping for the UFC. Like you know, you have the big July card and all that stuff. It, it just am, am I am I being a hater here? But there's nothing like I'm not that excited about anything right now, right? Because the Francis, which I want to talk to you about, Francis is left, so we're not getting John Jones Francis. We're supposed yep. to get John Stipe. That looks like it's going to be in November. Uh, maybe Izzy comes back. They're they're kind of dangling, uh, uh, you know, Hamzat coming back a little bit there. But there hasn't been any like big blockbuster for the summer announcement. When usually they come with the the vengeance. Yeah, they have. Uh, this is something I've heard from casual fans. I mean, I'm so in the weeds, I almost don't even feel it sometimes. Yeah, I know. But something I have heard from casual fans is that you know UFC has a bit of a star power problem right now, right? Um, Connor is back in orbit, but we don't have him signed up for anything. We think we're going to get him this year, but there's nothing on to your point, nothing on the docket, right? Also, um, you saw Francis the testing pool, like 
Yeah, although I mean that. I mean, it, does anyone think that's actually going to really slow down Connor? Like, <laughs> I just just a bunch of nonsense. But yeah, um, he's they, you know to his point, the champ champ does what the fuck he wants. He's right. Uh, and I so, like anyway. it. I just get just get him in there. I don't give a shit. Yeah. If he's juiced to the. Game. I mean, does get anybody? I mean, who's the who's the person? Like, no, no, we can't make that Chandler <laughs> fight until he's waited six months of drugs. Even Chandler goes out of here. Chandler goes, I don't give a shit, man. Just have him pass like two tests and he's good to go. Let's yeah, go just, here. Who, I mean, who gives a fuck? But okay. He's not on the docket to this point. No. Uh, to your point, also, Francis not on the docket because he's not there anymore. They are trying to do, obviously, what they were for a time they were trying to do, I should say, Jones versus Stipe for International Fight Week. They couldn't. So it looks like they're going to punt to to November, potentially, to get that fight done. But again, that's not confirmed. That's just kind of the rumor mill. And so you're like, well, what else are we doing out there? Obviously, we have the Leon Edwards uh, fight with Colby Covington. That's fine, but that's not a blockbuster. They just it's don't have any. They have, they've got a lot of actually like really good fights. Like, for example, great stable. Volk, 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 yeah, I mean, they got all the talent. The Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez fight is amazing. Love that fight. But it's not a huge pay-per-view draw. It's impactful. It's important. It's great. I'm not talking bad about it as a fight. Under any circumstances, I'm just asking what is its real box office potential? It's not significant. Um, and so for that reason, it's kind of what you're talking about is a little bit of malaise happening where between these apex cards that just feel like nothing oh, and then the lack of big fights on the docket, there's good stuff. There's nothing like really eyebrow raising, you know? Yeah, there's nothing there. That's my only point. Like, the, usually they, they break out these big blockbuster fights, and there's just nothing that I'm like, oh, circling. You know, that even casuals like, oh, because I'll be able to dictate how something's going a little bit. Obviously, we're in the weeds here, but if I'm at Starbucks, there's a big fight. I'll be waiting for my drink. People come up, dude, who are you taking? You know, what if it's Jones, Jones, Cyril Gaunt, it's probably the last one. Any Connor fight, I always get a million questions about Connor. Jones, Cyril Gaunt, people are like, dude, how's Jones going to do against this guy? I'm like, easiest fight of his life. No, you're crazy. But that's And that's with casuals. But there hasn't been anything like that for a while. Yeah. So I'm just wondering what they're going to do. And then you hear, you know, John Jones did an interview with an Australian uh, Fox Sports outlet. He actually referenced you, and you made a great point. For, for And thank God he gave you your credit. But with, <laughs> with John, too, you know, he's talking about maybe one left. He goes, if Francis came back, great. And they're like, yeah, what about Sergey Pavlovich? You know, and he's like, I'm good. He's like, the, the, the guy, it wouldn't do any numbers. It doesn't make sense for me to risk my career and everything to fight this giant Russian nobody knows about. He's like, so yeah, Stipe could be my last one. And he goes, and it, it actually sounds like he's at peace with it too. Cause he's like, you know, all I got to do is you know, stay on the straight and narrow till November fight at mess square garden i lived the rest of my life undefeated world champion that sounds good to me he goes i want to spend more time at home and they're like oh well a francis fight would get you out out of bed and he goes yeah but that doesn't look like it's gonna happen so i was shocked that he had seen what i had said i couldn't believe it but okay neither here nor there to your point yeah dude you're the hot chick in high school that doesn't know she's hot no, no. He, yeah, after, you're that after, you're that girl, dude. After the 214 debacle, the presser where he dunked on me, I just it's, it, that was a weird moment in my career because <laughs> when he dunked on you, what exactly happened? I, don't you remember? Because so so what had happened was <laughs> I had so okay. Let's back up a couple steps. The last time I think I had seen him, sorry, I covered UFC 197. He was supposed to fight Cormier then, I believe, but it got messed up, and he ended up fighting. Or he was supposed to fight whoever, and he ended up fighting OSP, and it was a 
not that great of a fight. Rough fight. Yeah. Then he was supposed to headline UFC 200, and that whole fucking thing blew up. Nightmare. Remember that? Yeah, nightmare. And uh, and then he had subsequent drug testing issues and all kinds of stuff. So I hadn't seen him basically since UFC 200 when he had all this other ridiculous fallout. And then it, he did the 214 press conference, and I asked him to. He, I think he had just turned like 30, or maybe he was close to 31. He was finally over the 20 year old hump. And there, here's why I asked this question. I had a bunch of friends who in their twenties, they were kind of fuck ups, like yeah. arrested for DUI or Knuckle just heads. doing dumb yeah. shit, immature but they, shit, but they kind of figured it out. Like some of them became attorneys and they're normal. A buddy of mine um, got commissioned in the United States army as an officer and like, does really well. Like, Good so I've him. seen people do dumb shit and then turn it around at 30. So I kind of asked him to reflect on his twenties and like, you know what, what he had kind of considered about it. <laughs> and he just goes, I'm not going to answer it because I don't like you. And then it just ended up being like this all-time meme-worthy thing, which I, I get. You can't fight the internet. It is what it is. Yeah. So it's just weird that he's seen like some shit. I, I, you know what I mean? Like you're just like, why? What? Okay, but you're undeniable, dude. You're undeniable, and it's such a good I point guess. too. It's such a good point too. You know. But that's the thing you're raising. It's like I honestly think fight to fight, maybe the Stipe fight is really great maybe it's possible but you know Sipe is in his 40s now too it's like he's kind of old and this is probably his last run or maybe he's got two more or something but he I would say he definitely is checked out right yes. right okay yes. so you could make a case that the Pavlovich fight is a better fight just on pure hardcore fight terms it's not it's not that's not guaranteed like again John could take him down and whip his ass in which case it's not all that great i'm just simply pointing out it's a tough fight Exactly. There is plenty of natural fight intrigue in seeing John fight Sergey Pavlovich. But from a marketing standpoint, I don't know what the fuck it gets you. Um, and people were saying it would do huge on pay-per-view. His Q rating no. here, Pavlovich, no, no, no. is very low. Yeah. He just fought in the fucking apex. Like he doesn't have a whole lot of uh, of of a fan base built here in Russia. Their UFCs are not sold on pay-per-view. It's part of your basic cable package over there. So that wouldn't do you any good. And hello, he can knock your fucking head into the bleachers with He's his scary. power. He's super. And what scary. are you going to get from the pay-per-view sales, which are tied to your pay? Right? How, the more you sell, the more you make. Why the fuck would you take that fight if you it don't makes have no sense. to? No, right. It's such a good point. It makes zero sense for John. He's and you look at his resume too. He's like, it just doesn't make any sense. He's like, literally, it's it's going to be Stipe. That you know that hopefully that goes well. And then it, it he goes, maybe I'd entertain the Sergey fight if the UFC stepped up in money and just gave me a guarantee because we know it's not going to do well in pay per view. He's like, it just makes no sense. He was he's a talented dude. He was his one trick pony, which I th I, th I th you know obviously it's John being John and fighters talk shit. I, I wouldn't call Sergey a one-trick pony. His wrestling, his wrestling background, he's no punk. Like if you saw when Curtis Blade shot in that double leg, you're talking about you know a national champion, JUCO national champion. So was John. Like JUCO national champions, no joke, man. Curtis is a powerhouse. Has the record for takedowns as heavyweight. Like he's no joke. Mm -hmm. When Curtis shot for that double leg, he was like, "Holy shit, that's not snowflake." Like the, that dude, Sergey's hips were nutsos, dude. Now I'm not saying yeah. John can't take him down. I'm talking about an outlier. Yeah different you know and john doesn't do blast doubles really he'll do the single leg and the chain wrestling and against the fence second to none i'm just saying if you're going in there it's not like cyril god where he can just you know do his thing and treat him like a toddler and get him in a fucking neck crank and tap him out for world title it, it, it's right. not that it'd be a, it, it's a tough fight dude his i would argue his toughest fight at heavyweight 
Yes, currently among UFC heavyweights, I would actually agree. Again, hard to know exactly what Stipe is going to give, but I would agree that Pavlovich is a fucking, he's a, he's a, a, a hammer. Someone who I think is Russian was telling me that uh, Pavlovich wrestled competitively all the way through age 18. Correct. Um, I think Greco-Roman more than freestyle, but yeah. nevertheless, like he's, he's not unaccustomed to a wrestling mat by any stretch of the imagination. So you add that to the fact that he's got the same reach as John or like right around it. Uh, and he can f- obviously, you know, decapitate you with power. Oof. It's a cool fight. But if you're fighting in the fucking apex, dude, like you're <laughs> not, not building good. a brand doing no, no. that. You're not no. building a brand doing that. And this is what's a shame, you know, to jump into the Francis. This, how great of a fight would Francis Sergei be? Oh, that would Bro. be so much fun. So dude, much. Fun. Take my money. Take my money. Like, there's so much for Francis in the UFC with, you know, Sergey, and you got John there. It's like he rides off in the sunset, doesn't have an agent, you know. And then I was like, okay, was he going to sign with one championship? You know, I'm a huge fan of one championship, and Chatri, I absolutely adore. I think he's the smartest guy in the fight game, especially when it goes as far as CEOs of companies. Like, he's brilliant, Harvard educated, loves martial arts. And uh, he was on my show, Firing the Kid, last week. And afterwards, we were talking about Francis, and he goes, I'm actually leaving here to go meet with Francis in LA. I'm like, Oh, I hope you get it done. He's like, no, we can pay him like we do, man. We're willing to, you know, uh, let him box and do his thing. So hopefully it gets done. I'm like, Oh, that'd be great. But he, he said one, one caveat there is if, if you look at the heavyweight champion, uh, in PF, I'm sorry, in one championship, the guy's no joke. Like Francis is going to struggle with that guy. Like that's not an easy fight for him. You know, he's like, so, if we sign for all this money, it, it's a risk on our end too, because it's not like he has, he's a walk in the park over here. And then also when it comes to boxing, the guy's talking about boxing, you know, so you could look at a O and two start and we're paying all this money. So it's a risk for both parties. Obviously it ended up working out. Um, and I think Chael alluded to this, that he's going to sign with uh, PFL. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that he's going to sign with PFL for, is it 20 mil? I don't know. The number of figures I've heard are different, but everything I'm hearing is that that is uh, not done, but probably imminent. And when he met, when Francis met with Chaudhry, he was saying like the offer has to be so good because I kind of have a verbal agreement with PFL. Basically, he didn't say PFL yes. he didn't allude to who it was, but he said, I have an offer. And I, I'm surprised that he didn't go with one championship because PFL, who's he going to fight? What are you going right. to do? Well, like, I what are we a, doing? I have here? a different perspective on this than you. A oh, little bit. It. We that, might part ways here a little bit. But Luke, that's why I love, like, I have nobody to verbally spar with over MMA. I'm like, I have okay. producers, <laughs> and then I'm just shooting from the fucking hip. I'm like, man, can yeah. somebody argue with me a little bit? Yeah, I'll argue a little bit with you. Now, now I want to be clear. Remember what I said previously. We got, we got this one card on Friday. It's a one's debut in the United States. I applaud the Colorado Commission, Stacked. and I want to I want to make sure folks know where my what my views are so that it's oh you're just hating hear me out one more time i believe as it stands one is the only genuine alternative to the ufc in terms of being like a a genuinely uh excellent but also meaningfully different product with the four ounce muay thai and all that stuff i love what they have they have grapplers too like the ruotola brothers go in there and just fucking deliver for them every time mike mushameshi is competing on uh friday too he's a savant exactly Uh, he's an absolute he looks like a dork but he'll tear your knees to pieces trust me trains mark zuckerberg for god's sakes all right so you get the idea right like i like their product (laughs) i have not had yeah i have not had a great time uh 
I have not had a very productive time trying to foster any kind of professional relationship with Chatri, and I would solely blame him for that. Um, oh, really? I can tell you a little bit of stuff. Yeah, I can tell you a little bit of stuff off the air, but it ain't on me. It ain't on me. I can. I, my conscience is clear about that. But more to the point, here's why I just think one is a bad fit for for Francis. Now, it's partly what you said I do agree with. So they've got an upcoming heavyweight title unification between Arjun Buller and then uh, Anatoly Malikin. For folks who don't know who Anatoly Malikin is, you're Problem. probably about to find out. He is yes. a fucking machine gun. Savage. He is this Russian dude who already has, by the way, the interim heavyweight title because Buller had some contract dispute. They're not going to fight, but that's yep. been on ice for a little while. And then he went down to light heavyweight because he's like a really nimble heavyweight and beat Rainier de Ritter to get their light heavyweight title and did it like with ease. I mean, he beat the Cut shit out of like him. Butter. Yeah, beat the fuck out. Like it was nothing. And that dude is fucking great. He's so really good. good. So yeah. Anatoly Malikin to me is maybe one of the most interesting fighters, not in UFC, independent of weight class, independent of organization, right? He's just that good. He's just a little but, undersized, right? For for heavyweight. Was he 227? Yeah, yeah, he's more like a six one. He'd maybe? be on. He, he if MMA had cruiserweight, he'd be right there. He's something the like that. He's the king of yeah. cruiserweight. Yeah, right. He he would absolutely demolish Dominate. people. So and, and and again, we'll see what happens with him. But past those two guys, they don't really have anyone for him. And there's a bigger problem than just that. Beyond that, you would have to if you're gonna sign Francis, you need to be able to sign Francis's peers too. You have to be able to sign anyone else who could free themselves from contract to put themselves in a position to make you guys money for a fight. Like when you think about guys who left UFC or any other organization to go fight Fedor in pride, yeah. he was an attraction that pulled in that regard. So if you're going to do that, you got to, it's not just signing Francis, it's signing Francis and understanding that there's going to have to be a greater roster in play. Now to the point that you raise, like, who's that going to be? I don't know the answer to that, but there is an interesting wrinkle to the story. Namely, um, people of other people have said this and I looked into it and I, I when I first heard this, I was like, this can't be true. And then I checked with some folks who would 100% know PFL is trying to buy Bellator. That actually yeah. is a real thing. Yes. Now, the, the problem is we don't know if Bellator is going to be sold in its entirety. We don't know if it's going to be sold uh, a stake. We don't know if it's a minority share, a majority share. There's a lot of different ways this could go. But like zoom out for a second if you're the PFL. One thing they've been very good at um, is raising money. If they're going to sign Francis, it would actually make all the sense in the world to try and buy Bellator, where now you have access to Ryan Bader. Now you have access to a potential series of other heavyweight opponents. How exciting all that is to you at this moment, I don't know. That's but my it point. Would create. Oh, but hold on. Let me finish. Yeah, let's say going. that they get Francis. Let's say that they get. I know it's a long winded point, so I apologize. No, but no, please. Let's say that they get Francis and they're able to buy a controlling share of Bellator and let's say merge organizations. You don't exactly buy the world in terms of bringing them over for heavyweight fights for Francis on pay-per-view. But now you have created a very clear destination for any free agent. It is only one place you're going to go to for heavyweight for heavyweight. At that point. Now, these are a lot of ifs, but that's to me what is happening behind the scenes is PFL is pushing all their chips in the middle and saying, let's go be the real unequivocal number two in this sport. We'll see if they can do it. No, it's a great point. It's a great point. My only caveat there is there's a lot of ifs. So it's if, if PFL, let's say 
for sake of argument, they get all of Bellator, they absorb all the roster, kind of like Strike Force UFC, right? So they, they mm-hmm. take all of it in. So you have the entire heavyweight division uh, from Bellator on PFL. That's not enough, right? So you have mm-hmm. you have the Ryan Bader fight. How many pay-per-views that does? Not a ton. You're not getting your money's worth. You're not getting your money back for your business. Uh, who else no. you got? You got Congo. Um, you can do Congo. There's a potential way that you could maybe lure Fedor out of retirement. I doubt that they do, but um, so you get the there would be Fedor. Least, like yeah, look at the conversation we're having. JDS, I think you could get. I think JDS is available. Again, no one you could make serious money on pay per view. No, there's nothing there. So then you have to hope that by putting all those eggs in that basket, you become a destination for other fighters to come to fight. That's right. Francis is what you're banking on. But with, with one championship, I feel like they have the means, they have the money to do that. Um, yeah, it's a risk either way. I, I think for Francis, the home run, where a little bit of this has been a disaster because he doesn't have representation. And trust me, I'm a guy who... I always believe I invest in myself. I'll negotiate myself. It's exhausting. There's a reason they get percentages. It's exhausting, and you're not getting the Dude, best deal. Even even little old me has a guy who negotiates on my behalf. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I get it. I get. I it. tried it for a while, and it was a nightmare. But um, kudos to the guys that do, and they go, "Oh well, I got this money." I'm like, "Trust me, you would have got more money with an agent because that's what they do for a living." But with Francis, I think at the end of the day, when we look back on this, let's say he signs with PFL and they absorb Bellator. No matter what Francis decides to do, if that boxing fight doesn't come to fruition, if he doesn't get a Wilder, a Fury, a Joshua, I think it's been a, a, a mistake. And I love Francis. Love Francis. Great guy. He's been on the show many times. I just think this whole kind of uh, experiment of representing yourself and not signing with a major promotion and not if he doesn't get that big boxing payday, this has been a disaster, man. Because what what has he missed out on? If if you didn't get boxing, okay, then you should have stayed with the UFC. You have John Jones, you have Sergey there, you have the biggest organization in the world and the marketing behind it, dude. And they offer you the biggest contract, whatever this means, in UFC heavyweight history. There's no way this that, that we can take this as a W for Francis if the boxing doesn't come for, to fruition. I okay, so let's let's pause it a world where he doesn't get the big boxing fight certainly i would agree that would be a big hit i mean there's just no denying the amount of money a fight he, he could make with let's say deontay wilder or something that's so you know we're talking what 25 mil each for those yeah. guys probably yeah. more you know for deontay um to the point of john jones remember john jones wanted deontay wilder money right so yeah yeah um, so you know deontay wilder makes good makes good money folks he makes yeah. he makes great cash so yes insane money if you don't have that there is a big question about what the what, what did you really get from it but i'm going to caution on two levels one we've just not seen the deal that he has again uh, allegedly or about to sign with pfl i want to see what the terms are before I make any kind of broad declaration about whether it was worth it, because there could be any number of things that they structure that could make that interesting or not, or it could be a complete disaster too. That's the other part. The other thing I think we should keep in mind here is like, again, I don't think it would have been a disaster by any stretch of the imagination if, if Francis had signed with one, but I think it would have been a very limited deal in terms of what was really possible. Also, you got to remember, one does have a lot of capital. They have raised a lot of money, Big but they have, they, okay, fair enough, but they are hemorrhaging it at an alarming rate. I mean, their mm-hmm. level of debt is enormous. So there's that too. I doubt that played a role, but something to think about for the future. 
Um, there's a lot of fake news in the media, in the MMA media in particular, like a lot of fake news. And I'll give you a great example, right? Now, I work at CBS Sports and Scott Coker is at Bellator. Bellator is owned by the same parent company, Paramount. I'm not bagging on Scott. In fact, I'm almost saluting him. I, I love mean Scott. This. Yeah. So he got out there and he was saying, you know, hey, we're involved. This is early on when Nate first left the UFC. He's like, hey, we're involved in the Nate, Nate Diaz sweepstakes. And then it turned out that uh, both I heard this and I think Ariel reported it later that like Bellator didn't even have a conversation with Nate Diaz. Like it was, it was never even happened. But he said it. And the media just reproduced it because Scott knows that if I, because he's a powerful figure, if he just says something, yep. the media won't verify it at all. They'll just repeat it. It, it, will, it will literally happen. Yep. I would very much caution anyone. And this was for any promoter, any promoter, anywhere at any point, boxing, MMA, kickboxing, you name it. You do not have to take what any promoter says without verification. And if they've got a track record of, duplicity or otherwise not exactly sharing the full details you have frankly an obligation to do that so i'm not telling you that what chatri said to you is automatically wrong because i don't know that mm -hmm. but what i also don't know is the full side of francis's story what his deal is going to look like and to me pfl is able to raise much more money than basically any other entity outside of the ufc um how long they can stay in business i don't know the fact that BKFC at Day Film had to put up two mortgages to, to pay for the last event, God bless them, but that's you know that's a very imperiled financial state. And one does have a lot of money, but they've also got a lot of debt. Um, PFL made a lot more sense to me in terms of a business entity that could even afford him and then give him the luxury of what he wants between the boxing and MMA contract. So to wrap that all up, let's just see what his contract looks like before we declare one thing or the other. Agree, because the narrative out now and this you know chachi told me this they offered him 20 million guaranteed in percentage of pay-per-view how true that is i you know i have no reason not to believe chachi you know i don't have the same experience or relationship that you do with him i always take anything as much as i love chachi any any promoters they're promoters you know dana says france never fight in the ufc again y'all said women will never fight in the ufc right so they're, they're promoting at the end of the day they're promoters they're just promoters and also you know this is where it would help francis to have an agent they can negotiate these things or have a conversation with the promoters, whoever they're negotiating with, because they yes. know the narrative is going to come out. One championship decide to part ways with Francis. Uh, agents go, hey, before this gets out, let's agree how we're going to handle this in the media. But with Francis doing himself, he's like, ah, no, I'm good. And then Chacha comes out. Nope. We offered him this money. We, we don't align. We're out. So it's this it's, Francis taking these kind of social media, fake media hits. Up for the past six months, just hit after hit. He didn't have an agent. Yes, I really go, agree with that. You know? I, I very much agree. I, the one thing about this entire process, and listen, Francis is his own guy. Again, let's see what he negotiates in the end. I don't know. And, you know, I didn't love that Lamar Jackson wasn't out there with an agent and just representing himself. Drives he, me nuts. He did get a good deal. He got a good deal. He, God this, bless him for it. People say that, though. Look at Lamar, didn't have an agent. I get that. And the guy did sign for the most guaranteed money in the history of uh, NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. He trust me, he would have got a better deal if he had an agent. Right, right. I'm, I'm I, in general. I'm with you. And I, yes. I think that the one part of this process that I do really disagree with Francis on is if you didn't like your old agent, fine. You need to get someone to represent your interests. You should not be doing this yourself. It, you know, the guy who is his, uh, what's the saying? I've, I'm going to botch it, but the the man who has um, 
basically the idea is like if you represent yourself in court you have a fool for a client you know yeah yeah it's it's yeah. kind of like that i just don't yeah maybe he can make it work we shall see i i think in general that doesn't serve your interests in the best way i mean i i hope it works out for francis you know i hope it works out for francis another thing with the pfl we can end on this also the other thing with the pfl it's like with that big boxing fight out there you just got to worry about so the pfl is going to co-promote that with you is that going to be outside the contract right you know pfl's never promoted a, a major boxing fight and they work with bob aram and the, these savages from the boxing world does is, is pfl because pfl's owned under the same umbrella right than the ufc because you is, is it like a sister company with the ufc they have a relationship for sure they have or no there's no there's no ownership ties between ufc and pfl they obviously have the same broadcast partner in espn and then to that point top rank the biggest boxing promoter who's on espn bob aram runs top rank he has expressed interest in there you go um, in in francis but like to the to the point that you raise if you're francis whether you negotiated or you know if someone else could have done it would have been great there needs to be a clear split. Like you need to have an MMA contract and you need to have a boxing contract where you work with a boxing promoter. Fuck all that. Like, cause you can get in the weeds and take man. your money. Otherwise. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're getting the weeds, boxing promoters. You're, like, you're just going to get in the weeds there and you got to worry about, I know, but fighting. you can make like, dude, like the reality is in boxing. You can just, there's here. Here's an easy way. A a sides in boxing rig the game. And I'm not rigging it in terms of the results, but like for pay. So I'll give you a great example. Like I've covered many, Canelo fights and he is a gentleman and he does now interviews in English and yeah. you know, he's a fucking fighters fighter. Everyone loves Canelo. One thing Canelo does is he like, Oh, I'm going to make this part of like, uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to get a check as a fighter. And then he's going to co-promote with, you know, Eddie Hearn or whoever with Canelo promotions. Like, dude, what does Canelo promotions do on yeah. fight yeah. week? Yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He's but they get money. extra money by virtue of being this uh, uh, almost technical entity. So you credit to Jake Paul. Like Jake Paul too. Same thing. No, dude. No, I no no no. I will give credit to Jake Paul. MVP does a lot on Fight Week. Most valuable promotions is his company. Agree. They, they do a ton. So so on Fight Week, like whenever I've covered his fights with Showtime, whatever you think of Jake or anything else, like Showtime broadcasts it. But the people who put the events together, including weigh-ins, including pressers, including anything, that's all Jake Paul. That's yep. everything you see there is 100% Jake Paul. Yep. Showtime just shows it to everyone. Yep. Jake Paul sets all that up with his promotional entity. So Nuts. shouts to him. He actually does a lot. Agree. Um, <laughs> we'll end on this. Jake, quick, quick answer. I know you got to run, brother. Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, how do you see that going down? And A, are you excited for it? Are you one of the guys that love this kind of thing? or I'm happy for Nate Diaz to get a bag. Me too. Oh, I, I, I'm happy for Nadia to get a bag. He's 38. You know, <laughs> um, I don't think it goes great for Nate, but I do see a lane where he wins. It is possible. Well, anyone he's fought, I think he's got the best chance. Agreed. Um, but but the, I think Jake's probably going to win. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point, brother. Well, you're the best, man. I could talk to you for seven hours. Dude. We haven't seen each other in a while, but the absolute best, man. Keep crushing it, brother. And uh, I'll be harassing you to come back on soon, I'm sure. Um, I'm happy to come back on anytime. I appreciate the invite. And uh, I'm going to go eat. I'm going to get some lunch. You look you look thin, dude. You losing weight? Yeah, trying. But, uh, you know, it's with ugh, it's hard when you're 43, bro. When dude, we have the same problem. I'm 40, bro. We have the same problem. <laughs> yeah. We have the same fucking problem, dude. All right, brother. It's hard, homie. Stay well, man.
Yes, sir. You too. The greatest of all time. Here we go, the epic trilogy fight. For the first time ever, Demetrius Johnson defends the One Flyweight World Championship in the USA. Greatest of all time, I'm an animal. No walk or bite, that's why they call me go. One Fight Night 10, Johnson versus Marias 3 on Prime Video.